James Neal will leave it for Nugent Hopkins as Edmondson presses for the equalizer. Broussard turned it over. What timer score? James Neal, top of the right circle. Broussard gave it away. And the real deal, his name is James Neal. And this game is tied at one. McDavid, top of the right circle. Neal turns it, scores. James Neal's got two already. Another power play goal for Neal, a second in as many games. Over to Drysaddle, tipped home. James Neal's got a hat trick. The real deal has made it 3-1. To Yurcho, right circle, back to Neal. What timer score? He's got four. It's the first four-goal game of his career for the real deal. His name is James Neal. 5-1 Edmonton. You can't avoid it. James Neal is doing what every Flames fan or most Flames fans were terrified of when that trade was made in July. Six goals in three games. No one's ever done that to start a season in the history of the Edmonton Oilers. And, and yes, that's a pretty rich history of high-scoring players. He's coming off a four-goal game. He's never done that in his career. He's playing top six minutes. He's playing top power play time. And yeah, this is what a lot of Flames fans were afraid of. And you can understand why after all he'd ever done prior to last year, uh, all he'd ever done was score 20 goals or more in a season. He was awful with the Flames last year. It prompted a trade. He goes to Edmonton straight up for Milan Lucic. And now through three games, he is lighting things on fire. Here's Neil last night after a four-goal outing against the New York Islanders last year was was a tough year and uh, you know I wanted a chance to prove myself and obviously things worked out in the summer with a trade and I came here and had uh, had people that believed in me and, and believed that I could uh, bounce back and put a good season together and uh, help a team win and help a team get to the playoffs so um, you know it feels good to have that uh, uh, that confidence in me and um, playing with great players and um you know it feels good let me say this about neil and where i am on this whole conversation and i'm curious will how how you see this because i'll tell you it was a big talking point on overtime last night it was a big talking point on the text line first off great start good on him but it is still just a start we're talking about three of 82 so to start making any definitive declarations yes it is premature but in saying that good on him there's been a very good start but I don't think James Neal was ever going to have a bounce back season in a big way here in Calgary it was too toxic with this organization and in this city on both sides. He and the coach weren't on the same page. The coach wasn't going anywhere after one year and a 107-point regular season. Neil had a horrible first year with the Flames. He was a high-profile contract. The fans were livid about how things went, whether it was how he was used or how he was playing or how disinterested he looked on the ice. Neil didn't feel valued didn't feel like he was being used in the right way or was played in a scoring role. He didn't feel valued. The Flames didn't feel like he was bought in, so they never ended up finding a spot that truly meshed with James Neal. That was not going to change in year number two. It's not like Neal was all of a sudden going to be gifted top six time in his second year with the Flames because he had done nothing to deserve it in year one. 
I don't think he's. I, I still don't think he wouldn't would have wanted to be here. And the Flames are a deeper team at forward than other teams are in the league. So I don't even know if there was a proper spot for him. But by going to Edmonton, not only did Neil get a much needed change of scenery, but he also got the opportunity to play in a role that he probably wasn't going to get here. And Elias Lindholm changed that whole paradigm in a lot of ways. He was the perfect fit with Monahan and Gaudreau, and has been since he's gotten here. And that really, in a lot of ways made it so that Neil was never going to get that opportunity. Well, the Oilers don't have that perfect fit. They're a little thinner on the wing, so Neil fits there. I don't know what Lucic is going to do here with the Flames or what he's going to be. Remember, it's only three games in in that regard. I've got my worries, but I also have, you know, the, there's there's certainly a value in some of the other stuff that Lucic brings, and I think that a lot of people will tell you that. But if Lucic can bring more than what Neil brought last year, then you're probably okay with the trade. But in the end, it all comes down to the fact that deal that was signed July 2nd, 2018, probably should never have been signed. It was never, it never seemed like a perfect marriage between the two sides. You never got the feeling that this was the first choice for James Neal. And it kind of has led us down this road, Mr. Nault, where a horrible year one, a change of scenery, I think a wake-up call for Neal, and now as a member of one of Calgary's arch rivals, here he is with six goals to start the season. And yet, I don't think a bounce back year in a big way would ever have been in the cards if he stayed with the Flames. And I truly believe that a deal needed to happen because it was too toxic a situation with Neil and the Flames organization. I don't have a ton to add because you and I talked about this last night and, and certainly you've laid out exactly what I feel on it. And that is the fact that you know, again, I don't want to speak for Neil. I don't want to speak for Bill Peters. I don't want to speak for the Flames. But they had that trip to China. He didn't get his chance on the top line. Um, he became sour. He became bitter. Um, he felt like he deserved that chance, even though he didn't earn it. He and the coach never saw eye to eye. He was slowly bumped down the depth chart as the season went on. As the um, the goals were not coming for him, he began to get frustrated. Became to be even less interested. Um, it just didn't ever really click or work here, and I think that's at fault for both the Flames and James Neal. And I think he looked in the mirror, like you said, in the offseason, and I think it was a huge wake-up call. I think Lou's point on the post-game show was pretty bang on uh, when Mike Commodore came on the airwaves and said James Neal had turned down their annual golf trip to focus on hockey and training. He went back to Gary Roberts for the first time in years. Um, and again, it's only three games in, but I think it's pretty clear it was never really going to work here. He wasn't going to get top six or top power play unit time here in Calgary. He's getting all that with the uh, with the Oilers and, and certainly does not help when you're playing with a guy who wears number 97 on his back who all he does is rack up points and put you in spots to score goals. Don't forget what Patrick Maroon has done with McDavid. Don't forget what Zach Castian has done with McDavid. And those guys don't even have close to the goal-scoring pedigree James Neal has. So this bounce back, I don't know if it should really – you know, shock you. Did we see a four-goal game and back-to-back multi-goal games in the first three of the season? No, I sure didn't, but um, I also didn't think he was going to have below 10 goals again in back-to-back seasons, but I think you're bang on. I don't think it was ever going to happen in Calgary, and the Flames also truly didn't think it was ever going to get back on the rail, so they used that to acquire Milan Lucic, who 
you know, yeah, say what you will of what, what, what he's going to bring to the team. But don't forget the Flames, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, Patty, but I believe they were top five in goals last year, and Neal had seven. So it's not like, you know, they, they really needed James Neal's 20-goal seasons to, to put up the offensive numbers they did a year ago. And, yeah, there's going to be regression because of all the career years that were had in Calgary last season. But I think bottom line is it wasn't going to work here. The team decided to move on, and, James Neal is benefiting from a change of scenery, but let's not kid ourselves. He also had to go to work, and I'll give him credit because he did, and it's paying off three games in. Yeah, and that's and that's not even trying to spin it. Like, look, I I, I honestly don't believe that anything anywhere near as positive as what we've seen in the first three games with Edmonton would have been possible here. I really don't. And when you've got a toxic situation, when you've got a guy that is unhappy and, and look, I like you can, uh, that's not trying to say that Neil's in the wrong or the flames. I, that that's not, that's not pointing blame any which way. Neil felt like he was he, he I, I this is what I honestly believe and and from those that I've talked to uh, I, I think Neil came here with an understanding and that understanding didn't necessarily come to pass and next thing you know he's not happy about the way he's being used and when you're not happy about the way you're being used and the goals aren't coming well then all of a sudden I think it's it's natural for some people to feel frustrated and not loving the situation. So that is not a great fit. And when you add on top of that the fact it was a high-profile contract, there were so many people excited about the deal when it happened, and there's going to be such a spotlight put on it in year two, I, just, I, I don't think it would ever have been given the chance to be positive because I feel like the toxicity and the negativity would have won out over all of it inside and outside of that room. So, yes, the deal needed to happen. They bring in Lucic. Remember, there's a conditional third-round pick that is still very much in play in this whole conversation, too. Oilers fans are loving it so far, and I would just say it's a start. Let's see how this plays out in the next 79 games, but you're loving it so far, and I get it. And Lucic has had his ups and downs through three games. He's been in some fights. He's been physical. He's brought um, an intimidation deterrent factor that the Flames have simply just not had in a long time that I think that they believe that they need. And I think there is still a value to it. But there's also been some stretches where, you know, he's looked like the player in Edmonton that I, I think a change of scenery was needed there too. So, yeah, I, I think that the deal needed to happen from a Calgary perspective. And there's still 79 games for this thing to play out. And as somebody brought up on, on overtime last night, and a couple of Oilers fans tweeted me afterwards and said that's a good point. I am curious to see. I think a lot of the reason why Lucic was brought in was to see what type of factor he could play in a playoff series, and we don't know until April how that plays out. they got to get there first, and then you see good or bad what Lucic is in the postseason, and the Flames feel like they need a little bit more of that intimidation factor especially going up against other teams in the west in the postseason and if Lucic can help with that I think it'll make them feel a little bit better about the move as well that's kind of where I am on James Neal and what has happened you can't not address it it'd be putting your head in the sand if you did welcome to the Steinberg show he's Will I'm Pat happy 
Wednesday afternoon. What do we got on the Glen Morati fan feedback text line, 960-960? This reads, say what you will about Neal not working out in Calgary, but should Calgary management be accountable for not getting the most out of him? If everyone thought he could have a bounce-back year, why not try it again in Calgary? Why help out Edmonton, and for goodness sake, why trade for Lucic? Well, I just don't know if there was ever another logical deal that would have been able to happen. That's why I think that... It needed to happen. They needed to move him out. There needed to be a split. And I really think one of the only deals that would have made sense would have been the deal that ended up being consummated. Uh, This reads, Pat, you hit the nail right on the head. James Neal needs to play with players that can set him up. He's a shooter and always has been. The fit was never right for him here. In Edmonton, he has a much better chance of being successful with the players he's playing with. That's obvious when your line mate's Connor McDavid. In terms of Lucic, he brings much physicality and emotion to the Flames game. Obviously, he won't score a lot of goals, but he can be a very effective role player for the team. That's all we should really expect from him. I think it's a win-win for both teams. Um, This reads, so, uh, what else we got here? This reads, I mean, the healthy scratched him in an elimination game. I don't think he was ever coming back here after that, but I said it then and will say it again. Now I think a buyout would have made more sense than trading for an even worse contract. To have eight I, years of a cap hit. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and it still would have been a significant cap hit. Eight years on that buyout. Ugh, I don't know if I would have, uh, I would have liked that. Um... What else we got here? Neil definitely came here expecting at least a top six, if not top three role. And let's be honest, so did the Flames. They never would have signed him to that deal if they didn't. There's blame on both sides. The team never gave him the shot in the top six, but he never earned it either. And somebody asked, what's the condition on the third round pick? That condition is, it's a two-parter. Neil has to score 21 goals or more and has to have 10 goals or more, more than Milan Lucic. So 21 goals from Neil and 10 more than Lucic. That's the condition, and the Flames get a third-round pick in return. Welcome to the program. He's Will. I'm Pat Steinberg. Show's underway on this Wednesday afternoon. That was a heck of a game last night at the Scotiabank Saddledome, my friend. Uh, I don't know if Drew Doughty was in Matthew Kachuk's head. I don't know if Kachuk was in Drew Doughty's head. All I know is that these two both came to play last night, and they raise the game of the other guy. Dowdy says the rivalry squashed. I don't buy it for one second. I can't wait until October 19th because those two games gave us, uh, those two teams rather, those two players rather, and those two teams gave us a hell of a game. But it was all keyed by those two players. Every time they were on the ice with one another, you knew there was a chance of something happening. You saw could chuck run Doughty a few times, some big hits, and Doughty was into it verbally. Uh, McDermott came into it. Lucic played into it. Like, that was a heck of a game between uh, two teams that probably wouldn't ramp you up otherwise. I don't know how many people around the league would usually be tuning in for a Calgary-LA game, game three of the season. With that and and the sideshow that was going on around it, yeah, you definitely would. That was a heck of a game last night, and and you were in the Dowdy scrum afterwards. It was it was just an emotionally charged, really entertaining game to be a part of last night, all keyed by those two guys. Yeah, and I mean, not very often we talk about it all the time. All oh, the game doesn't live up to the hype that we give it, or the storyline that we're all pumping up doesn't ever come to to light. 
Uh, that certainly didn't uh, was not the case last night. Both guys had three points. We saw immediately the first couple of shifts. Kachuk finished every check possible on Drew Doughty, even one that was questionably late. Um, and then, you know, he had meathead Curtis McDermott going after him um, and taking Say some, that to his face, Will. Uh, yeah, I probably would, and, and he'd knock me out. It's all good. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think it was one of those situations where everything kind of just worked out. It was perfectly written. It was like a Hollywood script. The Flames didn't get their happy or fairy tale ending. Um, they didn't, frankly, even deserve a point, but they'll take it. And uh, certainly evident that both guys feed off of that emotion, feed off of that energy. And as a result, I don't think the uh, rivalry is going away anytime soon between these two guys. And um, the thing about it, Pat, it's not like we're getting, you know, outside of that elbow four years ago as, as in, in Kachuk's rookie season, um, there's not really any headhunting or cheap shots. It's just a, a rivalry where both guys, yeah, clearly don't like each other, uh, but we're not seeing, you know, um, a two-handed slash to the head or a Todd Bertuzzi, Steve Moore incident. It's, it's, it's certainly not one that's boiled over yet. Um, I don't know if it ever gets to that point because both these guys like to stay on the ice and like to play and be a part of the game, but it's very clear that both guys feed off of that for sure. Is is the rivalry squash? Because I don't buy it. For yeah, it's one over. Second. We're never going to see it again. Yeah, I don't buy it at all. And and I know what Dowdy was trying to do, and I think it's easier to do that when you just score the overtime winning goal and you start screaming at fans in the corner and and all of what went on last night. Like, dude was fired up, and so when that happens, I think it's a little easier for you to say, okay, rivalry squash. But you know, I don't think Kachuk feels that way. I don't think Kachuk's gonna stop going after him. And and in ten days' time, when these two teams meet again, I don't think that all of a sudden it's just going to go away. So. And that's good. I don't want it to go away. Give me more of this. And I think we will continue getting more of this. Uh, and I just love how uh, both guys, Kelly Rudy named them uh, two of the top three stars. Kachuk was one. Uh, Dowdy was two. And he had to get him in before Dowdy scored the overtime winner. So who knows if they would have changed if he had the chance. But you don't have that chance. And, um, yeah, they were fired up. They were two of, if not the best players on the ice. Uh, I love it. I love it when you've got real emotion, real heat, and real passion and intensity that shows up on the ice like that uh, all day, every day, especially in a rivalry. Well, that really wouldn't be a rivalry at this stage of the game if it weren't for those two. By the way. Last time the Kings and Flames played in a playoff series, 1993. And yet, there's a pretty decent rivalry between the two teams based solely on regular season play. So I'm here for it all day. I mean, it doesn't doesn't hurt when you play each other eight times a year in the early parts of now, what, four or five at least? Four, four or five times yeah. now, yeah. I mean, like, uh, like it would be different if you if this was happening between the Capitals Calgary and the Flames and is, my, is my point, yeah. But, Florida, that's a great rivalry. What are you talking about? No, it's not. Um, anything else to jump out to you last night? The one thing that I'll say is, and, and yeah, the text just came in and, and sorry to cut you off, but the one thing that immediately jumps out, he was demoted from the second line. He took two horrible penalties. Um, Sam Bennett was in the box when they scored the overtime winner and Pat, it's been something that I have not liked in his game for a long, long time. Sam Bennett takes too many penalties in bad areas of the ice and he's so lazy at times with that stick because a lot of his penalties are preventable. Um, and last night was, you know, yeah, it was 
it was unfortunate because the refs clearly put the whistles away, but it was a clear trip. It was a clear penalty. And, and yeah, I, I didn't mind the first penalty, actually. Like, yeah, okay, it was a little over-aggressive. He right. went, but okay, you know what? You can you can deal with that um, because he was he was making it. But, yeah, the second penalty at that time, you got to be smarter with the stick. And like, he, he you tripped know, the guy. Over-aggressive on, on Dowdy. I know I, people, I put it on Twitter last night. People, it's not a penalty. It was fine. It, was only, it wasn't a penalty. It's a bad call. You know, he stuck his knee out and, you know, tried to finish the check late in the offensive zone. Like, I, I it was a, not a good night, in my opinion, for uh, number 93 in Flames colors. Well, and at the same time, you know, we talked a lot about Bennett and the opportunity he was getting. It lasted for all of one period last night. I, I, I Look, the guy that I have felt all along, and I wrote an article about it on Monday for Flames Nation, the guy all along that I felt was the best fit, if it wasn't going to be Froelich, the best fit on that line, Andrew Mangiapane. He has been analytically the best player on the team through three games of the season. By eye, he's been one of the best players on the ice for the Flames through three games of the season. This guy is a legit NHLer and I think has the chance to be a top six player the rest of his career. And and I think his skill set and his high hockey IQ sets him up perfectly to be on that line long term. So we'll see. He's going to start that way tomorrow when the Flames kick off a three-game road trip in Dallas. But Andrew Mangiapane is the best fit on that line. I just I, I like Bennett and a lot of the things he does, and I talked very positively about him yesterday, and, and I still think very positively about him. However, the one area that Mangiapane, I think, is advanced in beyond Bennett is how well he thinks the game, how well he understands the game, and that is what you need on a line with two highly intelligent players like Kachuk and Backlund. I just think, you know, Bennett is very skilled, and he plays in straight lines, and he's great in that role. I think he's better suited on a line with Lucic and Ryan, and I think it's a much better fit with Manjapani playing on that line with Backlund and Kachuk. Okay, uh, we are underway on the Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. We're live from the Better Business Bureau, Honda. Stove Lounge today. Uh, we want your feedback once again. Sportsnet 960 The Fan has the call out for listener feedback. Join us at the end of the month, Wednesday, October 30th at the Wild Rose Brewery Tap Room for another Sports Talk with the Guys session. We've got two of them, 6 and 7.30 p.m. If you want to win a spot, uh, 960-960 on the text line or sportsnet.ca slash 960. We'll be selecting winners throughout the period leading up to Wednesday, October 30th. Sports Talk with the Guys, October 30th at Wild Rose Brewery. Brewing quality craft beer in Calgary that fuels the hardworking Albertan. Wild Rose Brewery, branded with character. Happy Wednesday. It's the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Welcome back to the Better Business Bureau Hot Stove Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Pat Steinberg along with you. And I've got a couple of special guests in studio with us. And a conversation I think that you want to hear because of two two principal reasons. Number one, it impacts you as a Flames fan, as a ticket buyer, as a season ticket holder. It has big-time implications on you in a good way. And number two, uh, and I was telling the guys in the break, anytime we talk about the arena and something involved in the arena, uh, it all of a sudden gets you perked up. So this is definite new event center implications as well. Joined by uh, Ziad Mayo, who is the CSEC VP of IT and Food and Beverage. He's with us right now. And Vincent Urcandy is with us as well. Vincent 
experience with Stellar Algo. He's the CEO. And the Calgary Flames and CSEC have partnered up with Stellar Algo on a new partnership that they're here to explain. So first of all, before we get into it, Vince, welcome to the program. Tell us what Stellar Algo is and give us a little background on it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, we uh, created Stellar Algo about three years ago. Uh, we're a software as a service uh, company, so technology company based right here actually in Calgary. Uh, we're working with over 36 major sports entertainment brands across North America uh, now. Uh, we were really founded on the belief that uh, fans uh, should um, have personalized experiences and messaging um, in this world that we live in with just so much noise out there in terms of marketing messaging and mm -hmm. sales messaging and so much technology at our fingertips. Uh, it can be really hard uh, for us to consume information that we care about and that's important to us. Uh, so Stellar Algo was really built to find those insights and those data insights and provide those in, into our uh, partners like the Flames so they can understand their fans and then uh, better meet their needs. So, Ziad, tell us about how this partnership came to be because it, your IT background, you know how much data people are able to consume, how rapidly they're able to consume it, and how much data you have to go through on a daily basis. So how come Stellar Algo and how come this partnership was formed? Data is changing how we do business. So our fans are demanding access to content uh, at a rate we can't keep up with. And we're, we're using Vince's team to help us really weed through all that data and try and personalize the interaction for each and every fan. So get rid of the noise. We're all really, really busy in our lives. Instead of getting 100 emails and you care for one, let's get you that one email that you really care about or let's get your content around the players that you really are passionate about or get your food and beverage in your seat because you know the app that we're working with. Using all that data, using our Wi-Fi, using everything that our fans want to get their hands on and making sure that we give them exactly when the, what they want, when they want it, um, in the way they want it. Well, and, and Vince, I think, and, and Ziad, you can speak to this as well, but I think in, that, in the video that was put together about the partnership, you used the term, like, it's a changing world, and, and it is. Like, we've never had more data available to us, more information available to us, and it's never been this immediately available, right? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, yeah. I think we all deal with this. Like I, I know I'm, I'm sometimes trying to hide my phone away almost to give my brain a break because there's so much going on. Uh, but nothing really erodes trust. I would say uh, more than if a brand doesn't really understand you and is speaking to you in a way that just doesn't resonate, um, or really um, they're showing that they don't, they're not listening or understanding what you care about as a consumer. Um, so that's really where we uh, try to come in. We say this customer is likely going to be interested in these sorts of things. So let's try to get them some uh, some content, some messaging, some experiences uh, that are going to be much more uh, relevant for them and timely. And and I would imagine, Ziad, when, when it comes to you know, building a brand and getting information out to your consumers who are ultimately the fan, like that, that, that has had to have changed immensely over the last five or six years. A hundred percent. You know, we talk about fan experience, fan engagement. That is our number one pillar. How do we make it to the best of our ability and understanding what you want is, is critical and, and that's really how that's changing. And, and like Vince said, the, the mobile phone really transitioned us into that. So if you come to our arena, you, you, you're watching half of the stadium looking at their phone while they're engaged in the hockey game. Um, and to us is making sure that 
what they're looking at resonates to them and that, that's being scores, that's being streaming, that's being anything we're doing in-game, um, it's becoming digitized in everything we do. So give us some examples of how, first of all, from a team standpoint, give us an example or two about how this partnership might impact a fan. If you're listening right now and say, okay, I'm a season ticket holder or I, I buy game packs, like how does this impact me? Give, give us an example or two. For sure. So what we'll be looking at is, is going, okay, what is that fan really interested in? So what content are they looking at? What sparks their interest? Um, and making sure we deliver that content. So for example, the content that we're talking about, we'll be able to rate whom was interested in that and make sure we can deliver that too. Um, the other thing when we're looking at it is, is when you're looking at building a new arena, we're going to be looking at how many people are on the Wi-Fi, how many people are in these lineups, and starting to aggregate and say, okay, to make it as efficient as, as possible, these are the number of washrooms we need. These are the number of concession stands we need. This is the impact uh, on the entry doors and parking that we need because of this data that we're collecting to try and translate that into a real positive experience for our fans. Yeah, I think like uh, just to add on to Ziad, you know, I, I think in our office, like we're all fans first as well. And so we've had those fan experiences um, or maybe we're getting email messages or we've going to a website we're seeing content it could be something like you know getting people to the to the events and to have those world-class experiences is you know very important um you know to the flames and, and to the fans and to the city uh and we've gotten messages before that you know what if i live uh 50 or 60 kilometers outside of mm -hmm. the city um, and there's a game tonight, uh, I don't want to maybe get an email that says, hey, there's a game tonight, come and buy tickets. That might not be the best message for that person. Maybe I'm more apt to go to a weekend game. So that messaging that I would see um, would be more relevant to an event that might be relevant to me. Or right. um, you know, maybe I even there's Flames fans that live all across uh, the world, uh, but North America even. So, you know, how do we make sure fans in different geographies um, or, um, you know, ones that live in this market that might want a VIP experience as opposed to, you know, are, are more value driven? You know, how do we identify those opportunities to right. message the right things to the right people? In conversation with uh, Vince Candia, who is the CEO of Stellar Algo, and Ziad, uh, Ziad Mayo of the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation. He's the VP of IT and Food and Beverage. So, Ziad, you talked about the arena and some of those decisions and and you talk about data driven decisions right so has that already started have you already started to kind of uh put that all together and, and start to analyze that for the arena 100 percent, yeah so we're, we're working through that each and every day um we're trying to analyze um, what we're doing today we're testing some stuff in this arena and, and you'll start to see some of that um, we've engaged uh, with some key partners to give us some insight but really our our, our next steps um, is is worth working with CMLC they're going to do an engagement with the fans to collect what's really important for them and then it's up to us to use uh, some of the data that we're collecting and, and really start to put this all together so we're working through that right now and uh, it is really pressing uh, around this discussion is, is how important it is to make sure we do the things the right way so it just works. And from a decision standpoint and sifting through that data, that's where you come in, right, Vince? Yeah, it's amazing to see uh, the processes that teams go through now when they're designing and building new arenas. If you look back even 
probably five, six years ago, the team would be basing a lot of that on gut instinct. We think this is what the fans are wanting. We're going to build that because we're going to tell you, the fans, this is what you want. Uh, and the world has really changed. And so I think organizations like the Flames, you know, listening to the fans, understanding who those fans are, the types of experiences, mm-hmm. the types of concepts within the venue that are going to resonate uh, with their market because every market is different. Um, you know, w- getting involved with the Flames to help them understand and interpret their fans, I think, is going to yeah, result in a in a better uh, new arena um, and uh, just continuing to build on those amazing experiences, taking them to that next level here. And you, uh, you said you're already working with 30-plus professional sports organizations right now? Yeah, so th- for us, this is a busy time of year. So we're, yeah, over 35 uh, organizations. We had a busy summer with uh we uh have the u.s open tennis tournament as one of our other uh, big partners but uh this time of year we've got four nhl teams that we work with we've got a couple nba teams so uh, those seasons are starting up and um yeah we're, we're definitely all hands on deck but uh, we're seeing more more sports properties want to understand their fans and offer them more more tailored uh experiences uh and so uh it's a good place for us to to be in because that's really what we try to offer and yeah that's kind of a good way to wrap it up like it all comes down to you wanting to whether it be from the new event center to the in-game experience or it's, it's all about tailoring things to your fans and to your consumers right yeah just think about it as is mass collection of feedback and and us processing it and then trying to deliver to you uh the best part of possible product uh notwithstanding on the ice product but we want you to come have the best time make it simple um, that's really key for us don't make it tough make it simple give me what I want um, and and leave happy so that's that's really what we're about very cool very cool well I appreciate the time gentlemen uh, Ziad Mayo is the CSEC VP of IT and food and beverage Vince Candia is the CEO of Stellar Algo they have partnered up and uh, you will start to see the results as a fan in the very near future thanks for stopping by guys that was cool thanks, yeah, for thanks having so us. much uh, we are live from the Better Business Bureau on a Wednesday afternoon this is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan the Steinberg Show brought to you by 5th Avenue Auto House it's Volksfest purchase at Tiguan and you can get up to 25 $500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. VW.com. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hello, Mr. Will Nault. What do we got today? Well, everyone, of course, loves when we talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, so I figured that would be a nice place to start Uh-oh. today on three burning questions. William Nylander, Patty, has two goals and four points in four games to start the year. He was criticized heavily last year, obviously the holdout, and then a disastrous season after signing that contract that many felt was a tad high. Uh, are you at all surprised by the start that Mr. Nylander, Mr. Nylander's had in Toronto this season? You know what, and and... I know he had a really bad year last year, but I'm not really surprised at all, and I'll tell you why. The guy's too talented not to have success. Like, of course he had a bad year last year. He missed two months of the season, and he only ended up playing uh, 54 games when it was all said and done. But the prior two years, he was a 20-goal scorer and a 60-point scorer. So, no, I'm, I'm not surprised, and, and he's still just 22, 23 years old. So because he had already had success in the NHL, because the Maple Leafs are a highly offensively talented team, and because he is highly talented himself, 
yeah, I, I, this, this seemed like a pretty slam, pretty big slam dunk that he was going to have a bounce back year. Of course, last year was a struggle for him, um, especially early on. He didn't. He had a full training camp, a full preseason. None of that stuff exists this time around. So, yeah, it 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 definitely comes as really no surprise that he's off to a nice start. Yeah, four points in four games to begin the year with Nylander, and I know a lot of his teammates have certainly spoken publicly not surprised by that beginning. Flames will kick off a road trip tomorrow in Dallas. You heard it from the head coach after practice. Patty, you were in the scrum. Michael Stone will make his season debut at some point on this road trip. Not exactly sure when that will be, but if practice is any indication, it looks like it could be tomorrow against Dallas. Do Michael Stone and Cam Talbot make their season debut in the same game? Uh, I'm going to say no, my, and this is uh, only a guess because we don't know at this point, but um, all indications point towards Stone playing tomorrow. I would expect Stone to play tomorrow. Um, it's not totally confirmed, but my guess is it'll be Stone Brody on a, on a pairing, Anderson Geo on a pairing tomorrow. So gut feels all indications point to Stone playing tomorrow. As for the goalie, my guess is they go Riddick tomorrow, and then they split the two on the back-to-back. That's my guess, but I could—I mean, that, that's only a guess. They've got a lot of different options right now, and if they were to go to Talbot tomorrow, wouldn't surprise me just because they haven't got him in yet. Right. But I'm—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm qu- I'm, I'm far more confident that Stone gets the start and gets his first game of the season tomorrow little bit more like if I were to be guessing it's like 60-40 that Riddick will go because I could easily see Talbot going tomorrow too. Yeah and I mean I guess the bigger question would would it stun you if they went Talbot tomorrow and Sunday two games out of the three game road trip? Not not really um, because I do think they want to get Talbot in um, and and Talbot needs to play at some point and with Bill talking today and saying oh, Talbot was pretty darn good in practice and and mm-hmm. Bill also confirmed that the plan was to go to Talbot yesterday but Riddick shutout changed that plan. That stupid shutout rule, hey? Yeah, and and I mean, look, Riddick was fine last night. Yep. Um, even though there was the one goal that he'd like to have back, but um, yeah, I I I could easily see it being Talbot tomorrow. Um, if it were me, I think I would stick with Riddick and then split the two in the back to back. But I could easily see them going to Talbot tomorrow easily because they do need to get him in at some point. Fabulous day of baseball with back-to-back game fives. I guess, which game are you more looking forward to, Patty? And and is there one confident pick you have between the two? I am more confident in the Astros than I am in the Dodgers, and I don't know why I feel like I should be. Astros play on Thursday. Oh, sorry. There's the two games tonight. Well, I am still more confident. In the <laughs> that's Astros. fair. Yeah, that's probably um, that's probably the most confident of all three, to be honest with you. I for whatever reason, I know the Dodgers are going with Bueller, and I, Bueller. I know that they are the best team in the National League in the regular season. But there's for whatever reason, I, I just don't feel as confident with Strasburg going for Washington and that Nationals team grinds. Uh, I'm not feeling confident in that one at all. As for the Cards and the Braves. Um, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I actually of the two today, I'm a little more confident in St. Louis winning than I am in the either of the two teams winning in Los Angeles tonight. And I only say that because the Cardinals seem to always find a way in these games, whether they're at home or on the road. This group has got players that have been there for a long time and who have gotten it done for a long time. So I, I I'm going Cardinals and I'm going Dodgers, but I'm more confident in my Cardinals pick. And I'm also confident in the Astros tomorrow. 
You're uh, lose negativity on the Dodgers of kind of wearing out on you or wearing off on you. Um, potentially, <laughs> but also I know that they've they've had playoff disappointments in the past, so I think that that is well, playing into it. You Darvish isn't on the mountain for them because uh, he was great in the Game Seven of the World Series. I mean, I wait, no, he wasn't. About. It was amazing. No, uh, for the record, I'll take the uh, the Braves in the first game, and I'll take the Dodgers tonight. Somebody somebody texted in, has Pat picked a single Mulb game correct this playoff series? Uh, I think Mulb. I got both, both wild card rounds wrong. So those are the only two I've picked, I think. Right. Uh, but we I haven't really made picks, yeah. No, but I am 0 for 2. I went with Oakland, and I went with uh, whoever Washington. So it'll be the Braves and uh, the Nationals. So Great. it'll clearly Got be it. the Braves and the Nationals, yeah, yes. Perfect. Yeah, so I picked the Brewers and I picked the A's. Both were wrong. Okay, bye, Pat. Three burning questions on a okay, Wednesday bye. afternoon from the Saddle Dome. Don't forget, coming up on Friday is part of Hockey Central at noon. It's Lou's Mailbag. Get your questions in at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Tune in Friday at noon, and Peter Labardius might answer yours. If he does answer your question, you're winning a pair of lower bowl tickets to an upcoming Flames game and $50 to Ruth's Chris. Uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, your private dining destination. Do business across the dinner table, not the conference table. Ruth's Chris. Steakhouse. Well, I guess the beef between Dowdy and Kachuk has been put to rest. At least that's what one of these two guys wants us to believe. Forgive me if I don't buy it, not even for a second. That says Pender and Steinberg kicks off in minutes. Sportsnet 960, the fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. Fifth Ave, VW.com.